Hey, so before we get started, I wanted to talk to you guys about Disney Plus. Now, I know by now you've probably heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service that includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus has one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape, and it's all ad-free. From classics like Snow White to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame, the content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. And if all that isn't enough, Disney Plus even has originals like The Mandalorian, the first live-action Star Wars series. So don't miss out. Go and sign up today and start streaming and tell them Hayes sent you. What's going on? It's your boy, CEO Hayes, and welcome to another episode of The Awakened Soul. If this is your first time listening or watching The Awakened Soul, make sure you go following me at CEO Hayes. You can also follow the podcast at Awakened Soul Pod or at The Awakened Soul Pod, just depending on what platform you're looking for us at. It's been an exciting week. Um, can't stress enough, like, just how much this year is going to be a creative, like, blitz for me, right? Uh, because we got the second short film coming out. Already working on another film that I'm editing for a different brand, um, and then I still have a, I still have two more short films that I'm working on for myself for Legacy Visions this year. So it's just it's 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 an exciting time period uh, over at the Awaken. So we also have the revamp of the Breaks Media coming, which that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not even going to tease too much how we're going into that because there's huge plans with what we're going to do, the new faces, um, the new phase in general of what that is and the way that we're going to be delivering that content and helping creatives out. So just a, a, the breaks media legacy visions, all everything else that I'm working on, just make sure that you are tuned in because I'll be plugging it all through my social media. Um, but enough of that, enough plugging, uh, what's going on people this week's show, we have an in the mind of Hayes segment, which is going to dive into colorism. I know we've done episodes on colorism before, but with the, um, this kind of how the conversation is turned. Uh, with social media and when, in regards to colorism, I want to I want to kind of touch on uh, on uh, just a little bit during the in the mind of Hayes segment, and then during the main discussion topic this week, we have a conversation where we're going to be diving into um, back into legacy. And I know my production company is called Legacy Visions. That's not what we're talking about, but more so how what you do, how you do it, overall impacts how you remembered, which is the legacy. So. We'll be diving into all of that on this week's episode of The Awakened Soul. Can't wait to bring it to you. But before we do that, we got to get into our intro music. So our intro music is going to start right about now. And I'll catch you guys right after this. The following is a Breaks Media podcast. You are now listening to the best podcast in the world, The Awakened Soul, hosted by my dad. what's going on beautiful people we're diving into my dark and twisted crazy ass mind this week and this week we have a conversation on colorism now i do want to shout out and plug the breaks radio um on the breaks radio this week we'll be diving into colorism as well but we'll be diving into that specifically and how it impacts hip-hop um over the years over the generation in each phase 
of how colorism has impacted artists and stuff like that. So we have a, a separate type of colorism conversation going on on the Breaks Radio this week. So if you like this type of content, if you want to hear how it reflects into the media side of things, um, make sure you tune into that as well, uh, which we'll be dropping on Thursday uh, evening. Uh, by the time you guys listen to this, because I'm getting this episode out late because I'm working on a film. That's why the episode's late. Uh, we're going to get back. I think starting next week, we're going to get back on our, on our normal Sunday evening uh, releases for The Awakened Soul. That's really important to me to get back on Sundays. I wanted to drop on Sundays for a reason. And we've kind of got off of that just because of like me taking my break, me taking, um, you know, just time creatively after doing film. This new film has been really uh, a little bit more taxing because it's more narrative. So it, it's it, I, I got caught up in working on it. I'm just going to be 100 percent honest. Got caught up in working on it looked up and was like shit and the way that my schedule is built uh for anyone who does know just a peek behind because as everyone knows i do multiple weekly podcasts and the, the whole the reason why i'm able to do that at the level that i am is because i have such a schedule so once something gets thrown off a little bit it completely throw like it almost has to i have to let it cycle back to the week um but i was able to you know get this episode in and i wanted to um, so I, I, I have to at the top of the show, I just said, we we're going to be talking about colorism. And so a lot of things have been pop, popping up with colorism again. Uh, we know the Danny Lee thing with the baby. And then there was a new clip with Rick Ross that came out and, uh, you know, that talked about colorism as well, but I want to talk about colorism from this different perspective. And this is just something, this is again, an open conversation. So I want to know how you guys feel about it. Uh, the, the, again, the awakened soul is the start of the conversation is not the end. So I want to hear back from you guys on it and so the thing where my mind started going with this colorism thing a i think when colorism is used in somebody's dating preference right when we start throwing colorism at them it takes away from some of the seriousness of colorism because colorism is something that impacts us on so many different levels as far as work as far as being looked at as a threat as everything else that when we just whittle it down to just dating preferences i think that it takes a lot of a lot of the trauma that is built into colorism away See, I got my melanin shirt on. That's not by any uh, any uh, uh, happenstance. I wore this purposely for this for this topic in this episode. But I think when we start using or describing somebody's preferences as colorism, it can be problematic in a couple of ways because people do have the right to have a preference. Now, as long as you're pref in in choosing your preference, you aren't putting down um, someone of a darker or lighter complexion. Then. I don't really think that we can throw colorism within that because everybody has their own built-in um, preferences. I, when I think of colorism, I think more of biases. I think more of implicit biases. Uh, or bi I don't know if I should make that plural or not. Uh, I think that is heavily needs to heavily be a part of it, uh, our focus when we talk about colorism because those biases have taken away opportunities for people. When you talk about somebody's preference, do you want them just to date you just to, to say that they dated a dark-skinned person if that's not really what they're into? That's, that's where we get into the preference conversation and when I say it can get problematic when we try to throw colorism on top of that. That's my opinion. Now, the thing that I really, that got my mind started when I decided I wanted to talk about this on this episode was specifically, I see this colorism thing turning into or being focused only when somebody has a preference. And this is in the dating. Again, we're, we are talking about in the way that social media attacks and labels colorism, not the actual biases in colorism, not on this episode. We have a whole episode on that. 
on that part of it. We're not talking about that here necessarily. So I want to make sure that I highlight that as well. But where we're starting at from with this episode, at least, like I said, is that when the conversation kind of only focuses when somebody has a preference of light, light skin, whatever we're labeling that as, um, that's when you start hearing these colorism or it being labeled as colorism. And so within that, it's kind of exposing other people's biases if when it's a it's problematic to some only when somebody has a preference of lighter skin but when people have preferences of darker skin it's celebrated but not labeled as colorism and that's where i where i get at is that the words mean things right and how we label things and how we call things and what we want to call out as problematic it it means something when you when you sit there and you only have an issue with just when somebody has a light skin preference is when it's labeled as colorism. That that like I said, that to me is problematic within itself because then it's all right. Well, where is it on the flip side? If somebody does have a dark skin preference of of who they like to date or who they like to pursue, who they like who they want to marry, or whatever. When people have those type of preferences, you very rarely hear it called out on social media as being colorism or as somebody being biased then it's it's more celebrated and that's the, the that's the interesting part psychologically about about what we have now again i remember uh back in early 2019 i had my no dark skin skin slander like campaign where i made sure that i posted we're not going to dar- slander dark skin women um because you do see it so often and i understand that when when you have a group of people and i'm somebody who is considered lighter skin I take my issues with that sometimes. I'm I'm caramel. I'm not light skin. None, nonetheless, that's my own personal thing. Um, but seriously, to not make light of this, is that I get it. I get that dark skinned women have been made to feel in, inferior. Dark skinned people in general have been made to, skin, to feel in, inferior or like the the higher levels of beauty within the black community are the lighter skinned counterparts. I understand that. That is back to that bias thing. But when we when we talk about preference specifically in the dating sense that's not always and then sometimes it's dark-skinned men with themselves who have a more preference of what they're attracted to so again this is just one of those things that and i don't have the answer this is again this is why it's in the mind of Hayes segment is because this is just thoughts that are on my mind they're not necessarily me saying that this is this is the answer we're going to have the answer here but it just raises the question why are the same people who are up in arms when somebody just has a light skin dating preference again not being biased not slandering dark skin women and sometimes people pass judgment just because somebody has a preference of lighter skin women they automatically pass judgment without even talking to that person or knowing or, or, or knowing where their mind is some there is a, a there is a realm in a world and a possibility that somebody has a preference of 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 who they who they like to date but at all don't don't necessarily look down upon frown upon or talk down about darker skinned people so that's just something that, that's funny within our community um it's something that i've noticed that i really spent some time thinking about uh before i wanted to talk about it here because this could be one of those subjects that galvanize or whatever or, or um causes a bigger uproar but i wanted to have that conversation because if something if we're going to say if we're going to start label people people's preferences as a bias then we have to do that on both sides of the coin. I'm just saying. That's just that's just part of where my mind goes. And this is something that more so it divides our community. We keep adding things that divide us and have and cause issues within our own culture 
And then we wonder why outside cultures, white people, whatever else can't, we haven't, we don't have a unified message. We don't have a unified label of standards that we hold ourselves to when we start calling out things as problematic. And then we, we don't understand when, when other races and, uh, and other cultures don't understand it either. We need to, we need words mean things. And again, we can't blanketly, and this is what, what, what one of the problems is with social media is that so quickly we're quick to label things and these terms become these hot words or whatever that we just, we just throw on top of things. And it really can become problematic within, within that. I get trying to call it out. I get, especially when you see someone who slanders dark-skinned women and, and boosts up lighter-skinned people at the behest of darker-skinned people. I understand that part of it. But when we, when somebody just says, yeah, I like dating light-skinned women, and all of a sudden all the, all the, the social justice warriors and all the, all the people come out and want to automatically label them as being colorists or having a bias, I just can't get with that. I can't get with that. You, when you do that, it's a knee-jerk reaction, and I get it. So much of stuff within our culture is trauma, and that we are trained to immediately react sometimes in situations that we need to sit back and really think about what we're calling out here. That's just my opinion on it. Let me know if you feel differently. Again, this is just the start of the conversation. This is not the end. I want to hear you guys' opinion on this. Um, really, I just I would love to hear it. Uh, but that's it on this episode of the, I'm sorry, on this In the Mind of Hayes segment. We're going to take a break. You're going to hear from another uh, podcast, an ad from another podcast, and some music. And I'll catch you guys on the other side of that with the main discussion topic for today's episode. I'll see you guys there. Being a mom is probably the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. I have my own company, but I'm a mom first. A young mom, it's not an experience like any other. When you're young, you're growing with your kid. You're growing into that identity. Developing and creating a community of moms that are basically sharing information with one another so that we can be stronger moms. Perfect imperfection, beautiful chaos, doing the best you can every day, falling down nine times but getting up 10. As long as you are led by love, you kind of can't lose. Moms coming together to share information so that we can be great parents for our, our children. Us being the change we wanted to see in the world. Yum came into existence. It's not, it's not about control. It's not like he wants to kill. He just doesn't want to die. You know what I'm saying? It's that, it's that situation when you got, we, we are living in a war zone. I feel like I could represent my generation so much because I honestly did not care whether I lived or died. But now, I cannot die. I can't leave until this shit is straight. You know, I'm not suicidal. I'm not, I can't go until y'all really know what time it is. And then after that, boom, it's all over. And we can see, you know, how this shit falls. But that's how it is. The reason being is because if I can't live free, if I can't live with the same respect as the next man, I don't want to be here. Because God has cursed me to see what life should be like. Okay, we're back, and this time we are in the main discussion topic for today's episode. And I'm not going to be long with you guys uh, today on this episode. Uh, I know a lot of the last episodes have been what, between like 38 and 45 minutes. We're going to start getting back into some of the deeper topics. I do have a guest on next week, uh, Rod from the Blunt Effect Podcast. So I can't wait uh, to have this the discussion that we're going to have on it. And so. To kind of set the stage for that, because that is going to be, I guarantee that's going to be one of those episodes that somebody's going to get their breakthrough on, period. I know that to be true. That is 110% fact. 
But to come down from that. So you guys know, I've, I've talked about this throughout the history of my show. Uh, this has been one of the overarching themes. This is uh, in my life, not just in podcasting is legacy, right? It's part of the reason why I named the company Legacy Visions is because legacy means that much to me. Um, and so in looking at, again, uh, just another year, right? Uh, going into another year, uh, everything that I've accomplished from it, it's 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 been it's just been wild. Right. So for me, from where podcasting started for me or where I started in podcasting to where I am now um, as being a creative uh, in several different layers, it's all about legacy. And so I look at what I'm building with my children because that's going to be my ultimate legacy. No matter what I leave back with film or whatever else, my kids are going to be the lasting legacy for me. And the reason why I say that is because, for example, like in my family, I am a legacy of my grandmother, Helen, who you guys have heard me talk about several times. That's my angel, uh, the person that meant the most to me on this planet. She's no longer with us. But the legacy that she started, right, the, her and, and my grandfather uh, started when they started building their family, when they moved to when they met in Dayton, Ohio and built their their family and everything that came from that. It was it, it's very much a legacy and even my cousins now we're like two three generations removed from that and her teachings her impact on our life is still so strong that my kids some of the things that my kids have learned from me directly came from my grandmother and they never got to meet her my grandmother wasn't around to meet any of my children but her legacy her impact her importance and the importance that she had in my life then trans transcends even past her death and goes into my children's lives. And like I said, this may be something that they then some of the lessons I learned from her may then impart onto their children. And that's what legacy is. And people always ask me, like, why why I talk about legacy or I consider legacy so much. And that's because legacy reminds us of death, but in not in the negative sense. It it reminds us how death informs life and how the perspective of what you leave in death adds importance to what we do while we're here. Um, it, it helps us kind of decide and figure out the type of life that we want to live if legacy is, is as important to us. And that's something that I'm trying to do. And I don't want to act like everything that I do in life is like, shit, there's some things that I do that are just for me. We should have things that are just for us. But ultimately, when you think about what you leave behind, that's what's important to me. I look at my children. Xavier is on the precipice of being a basketball star and it's wild to think of right and when I see him and like I, it's funny because me and him have our our before and after uh game meetings and, and conversations but when in the way that he carries himself even though I was I was football I was I was a football star he's he's basketball but the way that the people talk about and remember the way that I played football I see it in him and how he wants to be remembered in basketball. Like he talks about it all the time. He tries to figure out how he can take some of the lessons that I had in football and apply them to his, to basketball. But when you, when you talk to Xavier about him in sports, it's always about, I want to make you proud or I want to like, it, he never really thinks about like NBA isn't something that he talks or things, but I joke with him about it. But ultimately he's like, what I leave on the floor, I want, I want people to remember dad. Like, like I want people to remember. And, and it's, it's so funny because he's, he's like one of the biggest and fastest kids on the team. And I always tell him like, make your, your physical presence felt when they have to box you out, make sure that they know they feel it in their shoulders at every moment. 
uh, that they had to guard you or they had to fight with you or you were guarding them on defense that they remember. And that carries through. That was a lesson that was taught to me, not even from my father, not even from my coach, but from Helen, Lee Helen, my grandmother, when I played football. And I remember when her when she was like, you need to start stiff arming. And that me saying they need to feel your presence. That's what she that was an exact phrase that she told me is that when you're out there playing football and they're trying to tackle you, make them getting you down so hard that the next time they try to come tackle you, they they remember how hard it was to get you down. So that's something that I've kind of imparted into him and like seeing my children and the way that they they think about their futures already. Xavier is thinking about not only just college, but what he wants to do outside of that. Amaya also thinking about what she wants to do with her art and the message she wants to leave behind. Like this this girl painted a whole Black Lives Matter thing, not because anybody asked her to. She wrote down all the names of the victims because that's something that matters to them. And so the legacy that I try to pass through my kids with this podcast, with what I've been doing as an adult is the things that are going on in our country and our culture are important. I once said that Amaya's knowledge and interest and understanding of politics is where mine was in my mid twenties and she's 12 years old. That's something that I shared and passed down with her. So when people ask me why legacy is so important, because like I said, legacy is in death. What I leave behind in legacy is going to give my life and the way that I live my life even more importance than what it did when I was here. And so in that being said, in the way that like even this content, um, in the way that I film, in the way that like everything that I do, I have such a level of, of passion about because that's going to ultimately be my 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 legacy. That's going to be how I'm remembered. That's going to be what people what is tangible about me after I'm gone outside of just my children. So when we all move and if we, I honestly think if we had our ideas more on, like I said, that thing of legacy, the thing of what we leave behind instead of just treating every moment like it doesn't matter. Just like I get the whole YOLO thing, whatever. Uh, and like I said, there's aspects of that in life. But legacy is ultimately for me what's the most important. It's more so more important than monetary, more important than anything else. Like, yes, I want to live comfortably so I can provide for my kids and do the things that I want to do because you have to have joy in life. But that's not some people will will try to chase that joy and make that their, their lives. Those momentary things like everything is about the singular moving from one moment to another, whereas it's about legacy for me. I still do things for enjoyment. I still go on vacations. I still want to sit there and go to Dubai as like my my dream vacation and everything like that. But I don't want to do it just to say that I did it. I want to do it so it adds to experiences for me. It adds to me being more culture, cultured. And then th therefore, it adds more to what I can leave behind in my legacy. We get so caught up. We live in such a microwave society where everything, we want everything instantly. We want to just be able to throw it in the microwave or add water and go. And then it where where does that leave us in, in the long term? Legacy is, is, is the thing that's important to me and my children. Um, I look at my kids, right? And look, I try to think of all the kid, things that my kids been through at a, at a, at a very young age. For example, d divorce. I was damn near grown when my parents got divorced. It, it it was what it was. My my kids had to adjust to being with both of their parents, to still having both of their parents very much in their lives because we're both very active in our children's lives, to it being separated. Now, that comes with its own positives and negatives. We were both more happy apart, so that adds to our kids. But, like, the way that my kids rebounded from that and adjusted to that so quickly, um, 
and didn't have any ill will or any feelings. And I, I don't know, it may come down the road. That may be something that I have to deal with and have that conversation with them as they get older, if they do have more questions about that. But at the same time, I just, I just, what I'm going to, and what 2021 is, is as I'm preparing to do is that the way that I want to move, the, the people that I want to surround myself with, I try to look at all of it of how does it add, how does it take away, what does it do for my legacy, my children, or what I leave behind or going, going to leave behind. And that's not to say I'm having like this midlife crisis where I'm thinking about death a lot, but no, I think for me, it's, it's, that's what's important. And that's not to say I do everything right. Sometimes what we leave in legacy as well, and we, 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 we typically try to look at things as like this perfect thing, what good and positive we can, le- we can leave. Some of what I'm going to leave back is the, some of the negative things that I've been through and that I even done and I had to grow from. And then hopefully my kids can learn from my mistake as well in that. And I know I had, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to a close here um but if for anyone who listens to the breaks radio i had this long passionate rant right where i talked about how our historical figures are sometimes romanticized um in 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 their depictions in media in their depictions in these documentaries or these movies or these films specifically when we were talking about one night in miami uh you know there's a lot of great messages and themes to that but some of that was fabricated to, to the message where I feel like the stories themselves would have stood out. And the thing to kind of bring this all back, and I, and I actually think I touched, about, touched on it a little bit in last week's episode of The Awakened Soul, too, is that I, I, we need to get away from this thing that the only time that we can leave a message is if we leave behind these, these perfect ideas or ideals or these visions or these representations of us. That's what I want to get away from. And even in podcasts, you'll see these people try to, when people try to stay PC in podcasting or try to try to always be politically correct, which is PC, but try to be politically correct about everything that they do. I, I at the utmost, if I had a title, what my legacy could be is that you can be imperfect and still impact great change in the world and the people that are around you. I'm far from a perfect person. I have great thoughts. I have great ideas. I'm intelligent, all that shit, but I'm, I'm an imperfect person. I fuck up. I mess up. Those are all things that are part of my legacy as well. But guess what? The way that I bounce back, the way that I learn those messages that come back from them, and the fact that even with being imperfect, I'm still able to do great things. That's where the special sauce is. That's where the message is. A lot of our political figures, a lot of our, um, historical great figures in the civil rights movement and everything else they weren't perfect people in any sense or stretch of the imagination but when these depictions of them try to make it seem like they were these perfect unflawed individuals there's something that's that is left unsaid in that that it's an important part of the message i think when you see the way that cancel culture is where people try to get canceled for every little thing that they do and like some things are cancel worthy there have been things that have been absolutely cancel worthy over the course of cancel culture growing and becoming more of a thing. But when you see people who, um, who, like I said, are, are they try to cancel people because they're imperfect. They try to say, how dare you speak out on X, Y, Z when you did this. Sometimes that makes us more equipped to talk out and call out certain shit because we were people who lived that. And maybe we grew from those biases before. I talk all the time, all the time. I am one of the people on my social media platform where I talk about trans lives matter and and trans people are people and we need to protect those people. I had a tweet this past weekend where I said, when we talk about black women needing to be protected, we also need to include trans women in there because they are being attacked and murdered at a, as a, at a scary disproportionate way, uh, way. And so in that, I have admitted over the course of my platform that there is one time that I would have been labeled trans 
phobic, homophobic, every other type of phobic you can probably imagine in my young life. And I'm sure if Twitter existed back when I uh, when I had those thoughts and ideas and, and, and I was I was very ignorant and uninformed and and all of that shit, uneducated, that there could absolutely be something you can go back and pull and try to cancel me over now that I'm somebody who's very boisterous about trans lives needing to be protected, protected as well. So part of my growth in that, part of the thing that makes that my journey into getting into the place where I see and I understand some of my own past biases that were disgusting, and I've noticed those things about myself, and I've grown from that. But part of something, part of what makes that story special, and that makes that makes that hopefully lets other people know that they also can grow from it, and they can speak out, and they can learn, and and maybe they see something to me and it's like, well, damn, if this man is saying, sitting here saying that at one time he was transphobic, and he's very hell, I did a whole series on deconstructing transphobia, and that was important to me, and I've grown from that in such a way that they know that they can too, that they know that they that maybe they said something in their past that was off color or that can come back to bite them that they're not afraid now to speak out and show that their growth and how their mind has changed but if 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 i just wanted to present myself as this perfect person that came into this world saying no we need to protect trans women because like i said 10 years ago probably give or take a couple of years um if i would have seen myself saying that i would have i would have probably scoffed at that idea of me saying that because that's how uneducated I was. But I speak out and I make sure that I say because I can easily vo be boisterous about trans lives mattering and how we need to protect them now and never mentioning the fact that at one time I was I would have been considered transphobic. I could never mention that and nobody would be the wiser. But the reason why I do that is to show I'm not perfect. I had to take time out to learn. I had to take time out to educate myself. I had to take time out to realized that I was being a dumbass motherfucker by, by, by the, the way that I was thinking at that time. I had to spend time in that to realize that I was being that way and admit it and then deal with my bias and then, and then realize, okay, I need to do something about this. Now that I am aware, now that I am educated, now that I, I do have a passion and that I care and I want to see trans people be protected, now that I have that, I want to speak out about it. I want to use the little bit of, of notice and platform that I have to help if I can if my voice can help if my platform can help I want to do that but we in in building our legacy we have to also embrace the dark side of what we leave behind as well and in hopes that either somebody can learn from it or in hopes that by embracing it by talking about the the, the darker side of our past and the legacy and what we leave behind that there was growth even within that you don't have to be perfect to make a change you don't have to be perfect to impact the culture for the good. You don't have to be perfect to want better for yourself, your community, your people, everything. So when we talk, when I talk about legacy, when I talk about the clear vision that the legacy has given me to bring it all the back to, to legacy visions is that I'm not perfect, is that I'm not this holier than thou person. I have faults. There are some probably thoughts and ideas that I have now that are going to change that I'm going to wake up to um, later in life. But we have to embrace that. We have to be willing to admit that. And I think um, if if we we switch our focus to living in the now, to thinking about what we leave behind and how we want that to be presented, how we want that to be remembered, and to also realize that the, our legacy and impact 
is going to last very much long, so much longer, I should say, than what our names are going to be remembered. To go back to my grandmother, Helen, who, as I said, some of her lessons are imparted on my children. My children never met her, met her, and they may not even know those lessons come from her. And then they may teach their children that as well. That's what I want to leave behind. That's what I want to do. Um, and so the, some of the themes in this are going to be picked up next week with Rod, uh, with the Blunt Effect podcast, uh, as we're going to be talking about impact. We're going to be talking about how what we do in life does does deal with our legacy um and we're going to talk about revenue in that as well and how that all relates and what how you can use revenue to also leave a legacy behind more so because people have this idea that the money that you that money gets left here on earth when you leave and that's very much true i want to say that i share that but there is a way that even reg- revenue can be used to push forward your legacy in a different way. So we'll talk about that uh, going on next week with Rod from the Blunt Effect Podcast. But that's been it. This has been another episode of the Awaken Soul Podcast. Like I said, a fairly short one. I just wanted to get this this out. I wanted to talk to you guys. And this theme of legacy and the colorism thing was all in my heart this week. You can follow me at CEO Hayes. You can follow the podcast at Awaken Soul Pod or at the Awaken Soul Pod. You can send us a voicemail at 614 614- Five four seven two zero three nine. If you want to send us an email, you can do so at thewakensopod at gmail.com. We are the number one podcast for the culture, period, point blank. If you got a problem with that, you can see me. And this week, I'm signing off. Peace. Peace.